welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. We are back in our respective um, recording um, areas. I was going to call them recording studios. It's a slight overstatement. Um, still in lockdown. Still very little happening football-wise. So um, we thought we'd just get together, have a bit of a chat about a few um, a few things, and uh, kind of reflect on the last 10 years in Sheffield Wednesday world, which is something a lot of people have been uh, doing on um, various blogs and on social media and stuff like that. Um, first of all, um, let's do the news so that's that done um yeah there hasn't been anything has there this week <laughs> it's been another week of um uh, digging deep to find content i imagine dom uh, absolutely yes uh, i'm i'd like to think i'm not quite uh, at the stage of where we've reached panic stations uh, i'll tell you what actually it was very good to catch up with a wednesday fan who also happens to be a sports lawyer in Kevin Carpenter this week. I had a great chat with him for half an hour or so and getting his insight on the EFL charge. So I'm going to get the shameless plug out of the way. Uh, Any Wednesday fan listening to this podcast and want to find out more about the ins and outs and the intricacies of the EFL charge, head over to Yorkshire Live and you will find my very long explainer type piece with Kevin Carpenter who really knows his beans about this business and interestingly of course knows uh, Nick DeMarco who is the QC for Wednesday in this fight that they have uh, going on against the EFL. Um, give us a, a, a too long didn't read version does it make for happy reading or not? Uh, it, it makes for I would say um very interesting in sort of the process of the panel that there's going to be for this independent disciplinary commission, the ins and outs of it. Uh, I think that Kevin really talks a lot about and explains how sort of influential the role is, is going to be of Nick DeMarco and just how he's basically done all the big sporting cases that you can think of in the last 10 years or so. He's had a big hand in that. Uh, so that, I think, is a big positive for Wednesday, really, uh, when you think of they're hoping to very much win this case and that they have got the, probably the best in the business behind them uh, and then it, it really just sort of goes into I think a lot more detail generally about where we are and where we're heading to uh, and Kevin interestingly thinks that this could come to a head he sees no reason why this couldn't be concluded by May and I think that's what the EFL and Wednesday we all need that for peace of mind for this we've been saying it all along haven't we James that we just want this over with uh, as soon as possible and that for everybody involved we're now five months in to when the EFL charge Wednesday and still there has not been a resolution so uh, it really is a case now of everybody needs to know where they stand. So, yeah, hopefully there will be a resolution soon. And Kevin doesn't think there's anything stopping that um, from happening within the next sort of two months. 
We we touched on this um, last week when we um, talked about this, but it, it just feels like there's so many questions as well that 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 are yet to be answered about from a financial point of view how things are going to work in football moving forward. So it, it's it, it to at least get one thing done and out of the way and sorted and kind of forgotten um whatever the end result of that might be and obviously there's a fair old chance that it might not be positive for Wednesday as we talked about last week what that means in terms of like when we talk about this season next season we don't even know what we're actually talking about do we because it's such a it's such a mess at the moment and obviously yeah. it's been the thing this Kevin week about was making, that- yeah I was gonna say sorry to interrupt James but Kevin was making the point as well that uh, in his view and I think he's absolutely right that for the sake and the integrity of the competition, the championship, if Wednesday are found guilty, get a points deduction. Kevin was very much of the opinion, uh, and he does listen to this show quite a lot as well, So, uh, and we're hoping that we might get him on, I think, in the next sort of few weeks um, to, again, so he can, I think, put some more meat on the bones of the FL charge, uh, as he really is very knowledgeable in this area. But he was saying that, um, I can't actually remember what my point was going to be then. So I, I, I was in full flight and then I was uh, cut off in my prime. Um, no, no, it's lost me, James. I mean, you, you have to step in. You literally you cut yourself off in your uh, prime. Um, I think we were talking about whether or not it would be applied this season, next season, when it would kind of, um, you know, likely to kind of kick in if there was a point seduction. Yes, that, that's right. And he's saying that's, thank you, James. You've got me back on track. Uh, not for the first time. Uh, yeah. So he thinks that it has to be this season that the points deduction applies to for the, the you know, integrity of the competition and it can't roll into next season. And I haven't heard anything to suggest that it will go into whenever the 2020-21 season gets underway. We have no idea, obviously, at this stage. And that's still very much up in the air when this season is going to con- be concluded, never mind next year. Uh, so I, I think... Uh, it's, it's going to come to a head, isn't it? That's It's, it's just the fact of the matter is that uh, it should be, if you p- park the whole coronavirus crisis and everything that's ongoing right now, that it should be resolved sooner rather than later. There's no reason why it shouldn't. I suppose the only factor is that clearly, if you're Wednesday, you want a fair hearing. And so... For this to take place right now, it's going to have to be by Zoom, or it isn't, you know, you're not going to get people actually in this for this hearing. And I don't think it's one of those that would be one day. It would be a hearing that would go on for some time because there's so much evidence to get through, and both sides would call various witnesses. Uh, and and so yeah, I think that that's also something that you have to take into account. And and I suppose actually the big thing that Kevin said at the end was that, and I think he's right, it's inevitable. However, this ends up, whatever the outcome is, whoever wins, loses, they're going to appeal the other side. Uh, And so this will actually drag on. I I fear it won't be the end of the matter, whether Wednesday get a points deduction or not, Wednesday would appeal that. And then if Wednesday were successful in getting the charge overturned, then the EFL, look what they've done with Birmingham this week as a case in point. That's what they've done. 
Uh, and so that one's going to continue to rumble on and on. And I think that that's what could happen with Wednesday's charge. So I hope that's brought you lots of positivity. Good, sir. Well, we, we got there in the end. This is what happens when you have a cider when we record the podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are also there are so many grounds for appeal, aren't we? And we touched on this last week about just the the actual date that it gets concluded could be enough of a... Um, a, a ground for appeal for Wednesday. If if it does end up being a point deduction that that sends us down, then um, you know we could kind of appeal and say, well, actually, it should go into next season, so we shouldn't be relegated. And and this just it's such it is such a mess, and um, it'll, it, it'll be interesting to see how that pl- pl- uh, plays out now in the next few weeks. Uh, apart from that, not a lot happening. Um, let's talk about the past because that's what we love doing as uh followers of sheffield wednesday um so you did your um it wasn't team of the decade it was squad of the decade is that right correct yeah so i did this week wednesday's best 25 man squad from the last 10 years Uh, and there are actually a lot of tough decisions Uh, clearly the two years of where wednesday reached back-to-back playoffs a lot of that squad and having played in the championship uh, and had really good finishers and come so close to promotion a lot of those players were going to be in this final squad but then actually you, you it's only when you go back that you forget that in league one again the amount of good loan signings that wednesday made in the uh, the sort of gary megson era uh, and who have also gone on to have very good championship careers. Uh, yeah, I, so I, I actually thought it made for sort of an interesting discussion point. Uh, and so it will be interesting to get your take on this as well, James. Well, the interesting thing is I've not actually seen this. So um, although I am a, a, a an avid um, reader of your content on uh, on Yorkshire Live, of course, um, I haven't week. seen... <laughs> I haven't seen this particular um, piece. So um, as you kind of talk us through it, it will be the first time that I've heard it. So in in typical Singing the Blues fashion, I am looking forward to disagreeing with just about everything in in the minutes that will follow. I hope so. Goalkeeper was actually one of the toughest areas I found of this 25-man squad because when you look at it, Wednesday've actually been blessed to have a lot of good goalkeepers over the last 10 years. And we've be, both been fortunate enough uh, to see all of them in action. And so I whittled it down. And so my final three, you can't not have Kieran Westwood in there. That's just a given. That was uh, a very straightforward pick. But then I had in total five goalkeepers on my list. Westwood won. Chris Kirkland, Stephen Bywater, Lee Grant, and Nicky Weaver. So my final three from that list, and I think that's a pretty stellar list, was Westwood, Kirkland, and Lee Grant. Some people would argue, say, with Lee Grant as an example, that Lee Grant actually left... It, very early on of the last decade that he was he moved on and was sold. But I've also taken into account what a good goalkeeper he was, though, in his time at Wednesday. And actually, I do think that over the last two decades, he's been right up there. And in a team that 
certainly under Brian Law's punched above his weight, I think Lee Grant has to be in there for me. Uh, and then Chris Kirkland was player of the season one year under Dave Jones, former England international, really resurrected his career, actually, um, back at Wednesday. So I, for me, I, it, it was harsh on Nicky Weaver, who was also, I think, a player of the season one year. And Stephen Bywater, let's not forget how influential and good he was when Wednesday got promoted in 2012 when Gary Mason and then Dave Jones took over. I actually remember, I think it was the penultimate match, Brentford away, Wednesday 1-2-1 of the 2011-2012 season. And Bywater pulled off some really important saves that day. So he was, yeah, I, I thought he played a really good role. And he was a backup goalkeeper. Very good was Bywater. But my three that I'd go for and did go for, uh, Westwood, Grant and Kirkland. What say you, James? Um, well, I think two out of those three you cannot argue with and, and anyone that does is an idiot because, uh, yes, Westwood, um, you know, obviously at the moment there's there's debate about um, him, his future uh, and, and all kinds of other stuff. But ultimately, um, yeah, I mean, you'd probably have to say he's been the best. He's been, he, yeah, he's been the best goalkeeper of the last um, decade for, for Wednesday. Kirkland, similarly, like I remember when Westwood came in and at the start of that season, we didn't know who was going to get get the nod to be number one was it going to be Westwood was it going to be Kirkland because Kirkland had been had been great um and so yeah I think those two uh, are just uh, are a given that third slot you're right that there's there's plenty of competition there I am actually going to disagree with you um because I I wrote down as you went through them and I was kind of thinking all right um I wrote down Stephen Bywater um over Lee Grant for the for the reason and particularly if we're looking at the last decade for the reason that Wednesday got relegated with Lee Grant and we got promoted with Stephen Bywater um and it's probably not a reflection of their goalkeeping ability and um Lee Grant actually you know in that season that we got relegated was one of the few that that came out of it with um with some positives but um Stephen Bywater for me kind of personified that um that the spirit of that Wednesday team in that run that we went on at the end of that season to get um, promoted. And he was quite a lively character as well. I think he had quite an influence in the dressing room. Um, and, you know, in, in terms of like the media and stuff like that, he, you know, I remember that um, the football league show when they, uh, they did their piece on that last game of the season and Wednesday getting promoted and, and Bywater at the end is kind of life and soul of the party throwing sandwiches and all sorts all over the place. So I just I kind of feel that for he for, Bywater for me brings back happy memories and good memories, uh, and for that reason I'd give him the nod over Lee Grant. So we're actually together. You don't know this, but I've decided it now, James. We're making our twenty-five man squad, so we have to come to a decision between us unanimous. I am going to give you that uh, because. Uh, I will be insisting on other calls later on. <laughs> I think a, a way harder to choose from, perhaps, uh, in some people's eyes. So at the moment, we have in our 25-man squad, Westwood, Kirkland and Bywater. At this well, point... Well, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What if I want to say, well, I'll, I'll give you this one because I want one later on. No, no, tough. I, I Because I've made this game... <laughs> 
it's too late for that. I've decided that you have to cave in for this one, so I will give you that one. Um, so you have by water as your third choice goalkeeper. Um, because it, it probably would be that as well, wouldn't it? When you think about it, it'd be Westwood, your number one, Kirkland would be number two, and Bywater would be third choice. It's not bad department, really, is it? When you think about it, it it's 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 not, and um, I, I'll accept what you're saying, but I think to look at it from a purely talent point of view I think you probably did get it right in terms of the fact that Lee Grant is the better goalkeeper um, between him and Stephen Bywater but you know what I, I view it more as a, a you know a fan than anything else and for me Bywater has those memories so I'd be quite happy going to to see this squad play with Stephen Bywater on the bench I get where you're entirely where you're coming from with the positivity that Bywater and Wednesday going up ahead of United, everything from 2012, that amazing finish of 10 wins, two draws, that saw them get promoted. And Bywater was a big part of that. And like you say, he was absolutely, in a good in a good way, uh, bonkers. Uh, he is a, a proper goalkeeper who is, uh, yeah, he is a little bit of an extrovert, to put it politely. Great character. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I, so I don't begrudge him at all being in our 25-month squad. And moving on to the defence, th- again, this was tough. But my final eight that I went with were Lewis Buxton, Jack Hunt, Glenn Leuven's, Tom Lees, Michael Hector, Dominic Iorfa, Daniel Padil, and Rita Johnson. Now, straight away, some people will look at that and think that usually when you're selecting a 25-man squad and when you're thinking of, say, uh, again, at international level, you would probably pick nine defenders, actually, in a 25-man squad, not eight. But I've gone with eight because, and we'll come to midfield obviously in a bit, but Sam Hutchinson's versatility and ability to play at right back and centre half made me think, actually, I'm going to go with eight and I think we could afford to do that. So when I break it down a bit more, you've got Lewis Buxton, Jack Hunt, two right backs. Straight away, one player who's missed out, who's played an awful lot of games in that position, is Liam Palmer. And that it, it was hard, but when I looked at it, and again, you've got to go back to the 2012 season, and really, like Lewis Buxton is another one, a bit like he's sort of from that era, the equivalent of Morgan Fox now, in that he completely transformed and turned around his Wednesday career. And and the whole you know Pele you know and all that you know the song the books but he was a proper solid right back uh, in that position and he stepped up and I thought at championship level he he held his own uh, but he was particularly good in League One in the team going up Jack Hunt has to be in there for me as the pick of I think he probably is the pick of the right backs. Um, and Liam Palmer, I think, can count himself unlucky. But I, I think for Jack Hunt, he was the main man in 2016-17. In the big games, Carlos picked him up right back. So I think it has to be, for me, Buxton, 
and Hunt. What do you think, James? I am I'm I'm gonna give you everything that you've said apart from uh Lewis Buxton's song was about Cafu, not about Pele. What are you on about? It's the cider, sorry, it's gone to my head. I should have mentioned I've had some beers as well. Sorry. <laughs> It's a sunny day. Fair enough. We'll let you off. We'll let you off. Uh, other mm. than that, yeah, I can't argue with you. To be fair, Buxton, Jack Hunt. I think. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty clear. Liam Palmer, um, in terms of his service to the to the club and everything, um, will feel a bit unlucky not to get in that squad. But in terms of ability, in terms of impact, um, I think Liam Palmer is is a steady hand. And I think both Buxton and Jack Hunt had seasons where they were just, you know. Better, um, uh, hard, harsh thing to say, but that's that's how I see it. Um, uh, and yeah, Lewis Buxton uh, and his um, song about Pele that seals it for me. <laughs> oh, you're not going to let that one go for a while, are you? Um, centre half. See, moving quickly on and try and change subject. This was this. I found this difficult too. When Wednesday, Leuven's and Lees. No brainer. When you think of the clean sheet record under Stuart Gray and then Carwas, 17 clean sheets, it was back to back season 16. That partnership, absolutely, they have to be in there. Uh, but you, you've got Hector, who for me, one season, player of the year last year, played nearly 40 matches. And I would say in 80% of them, he was good. And when he played really well, Hector was a Rolls Royce. And that's why if Wednesday um, could financially have done it, we all would have loved to have seen Hector come back this season. Of course, we would have done. But Chelsea were asking for five million. And at that time, when Wednesday were under an embargo and then came out and then the whole EFL charge, I just don't think it was financially viable. They had to move on. Uh, and then I offer, I picked him also on his the potential, the adaptability, and uh, the fact that he can play multiple positions. But just that athleticism, the pace, everything he's got, if he can, uh, and we've said this all along, haven't we, on this podcast, James, that if Dominic I offer can cut out sort of those lapses in concentration, then he has got everything to go on to play at the top level. And we hope it's with Wednesday. It, of course, did mean that players who didn't get in the centre-back area were Julian Berner. Then we had Miguel Liera was on my list. Danny Baff was on my list too. Um, but I weighed it up. And I thought Miguel Leira, when you look back on it, he did actually, I found, I think he found the step up difficult, that transition from championship, League One to the championship. Danny Bath was great in League One, but we never got to saw what he was like in the championship. Uh, and then Julian Berner, I, I, I can't, I think with his form having gone downhill a little bit since the turn of the year, I think that's why I all forgets the edge over him for the fourth centre-back slot. What do you think? 
But Burner wasn't on my list. I have got three names on my list that haven't made it into your shortlist. You've talked about two of them, Miguel Liera. Um, and again, it's very much probably for sentimental reasons rather than necessarily ability. Um, you know, he was someone that was such a standout player during that promotion season who kind of came, was it from Blackpool that he came from? We were all like, yeah, this was. guy, what, what on earth has he got on his head? What's he What's he played at? Um, and he, um, he scored that free kick at Huddersfield and then went on that amazing run of form. Scored another couple of really important goals, not forgetting the one, uh, the goal at Brentford. You talked about that game earlier on uh, with Stephen Bywater making those saves. Well, the Galliera obviously scored the, the goal at the other end as well. Um, Danny Bart was such a solid, reliable player during... Uh, particularly the second end of that promotion season. And he was one of the players that we thought, actually, do you know what? If we get this guy back, then he could step up to championship level. And it was weird because he was on loan from Wolves, who obviously were in the Premier League. They got relegated as Sheffield Wednesday got promoted. So whichever way around, he was going to be a championship player the following season. Um, and I think, you know, he's a Wolves lad and it's his, uh, the team that he's always supported and he probably wanted to go there. Ended up being their captain. Um, so it was kind of fair enough. Um, and then the other name that I've got down uh, is Anthony Gardner, who's kind of like a bit of a forgotten guy. And, and I mean, realistically, I don't know whether or not he's anything like in the same league as the the players that you've mentioned. But I just remember at a time when we were going through a period of leaking some really bad goals. Anthony Gardner came in um, and again, he had a, a level of experience and professionalism that he was a level above anyone else that we got at that time um, and put in some real match winning performances. Um I don't think that he was ever going to be a top-end championship player at the stage of his career that he played for Wednesday. So um, I, I concede that Anthony Gardner doesn't really come in with a, a shout. But I... Um, so, so what we're saying, James, at the moment, are we going with Leuven's Lees, yep, Hector? Yep. Who's the fourth? I, For me... I think the the talent and the potential is there with Iofa. I think the jury's still a little bit out on whether or not that will mature into the player that we hope that he will do. Um, so I think he'd be the one that I'd just wonder about. And I think of the other players, um, the problem with uh, Liera, and we, we remember all the good stuff, he was a little bit of a defensive liability at times. He was, yeah. And as much as the memories are great and that image of him on the, the day of uh, the Wickham game or on the shoulders of all the fans, you know, he will be a Wednesday legend forever. But it's probably better to let him be a legend for those good moments and let's you know, just forget about the bad stuff. And, and, and for this, I don't think he quite makes the the level. So for me, it's probably the question is whether or not Danny Barr, in terms of his reliability and what a steady, steady player he was, whether or not he just sneaks in above Iorfa, who has the potential, but at the moment, I'm not sure he's realised it. I hear what you're saying, but I want Iorfa, I think, in the team. I think we've seen enough over the last year or so to suggest that uh, he's got a lot to offer and that he would challenge those other centre-backs uh, and, and actually possibly make a case as well right back. So I think I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns here and say that I think I offer should be the fourth choice. You can have that. Hey, I win. Um, and so we now move on to left back. And 
actually, I I think this is one of the weaker areas in this sort of when when you look over the last decade of where there's not Wednesday haven't actually been I don't think spoiled for choice of top draw left backs, uh, and so I went with Padil. It, for me, is is the pick of the bunch, and and he was. I thought Padil actually was was outstanding in that first season. I thought that um, it was in the second year under Carlos where he was more prone to mistakes. We didn't get forward as much, um, but I thought in that first year there were very few right wingers who got past Daniel Padil. So I, I, for me, he absolutely has to be in this squad and see, I'm going for the sentimental reasons as uh, which you've talked a lot about with that promotion winning team and his ability to score a goal. Reader Johnson, Reader Johnson. It, it, that's why for me, he makes the cut again, big, powerful, also adaptable. Left side of centre half, we we saw on a few occasions uh, down the years for Wednesday, because actually the only other players that I had as options at left back on my list, James, were Joe Mattock, who I thought was a bit hit and miss at times, uh, and I couldn't make a strong case for him ahead of Reader Johnson personally, and then Jeremy Hillan, another forgotten man, um, who I really think. We, we never saw the best of him, certainly not on a consistent basis. I remember the odd match of Jeremy Hoan when he was pushed forward. Do you remember whole city away uh, in front of the TV cameras? Him and Antonio ripped it up that day. They won 3-1. But I, I, for me, Reader Johnson would, would edge it. I just think it's, it's everything he brings in both boxes. So do you agree with me or not? I'm not going to argue in the slightest about Daniel Padil. Um, Raider Johnson, we, we've talked about him in in the last few months because obviously at the turn of the at the turn of the decade, his his name came up a, a few times discussing kind of you know team of the team of the decade at the time, um, and I argued for for Raider on the basis of the fact that you know he was an absolute legend and scored some fantastic goals and put in some great performances. He does slightly fall into that category a little bit like Liera in terms of the fact that at times it could be a, just a little bit of a liability and, and he got a tendency to go missing and sometimes he'd lunge into challenges and you'd, you'd just cover your eyes and think, oh, what are you doing? The other name that I got written down was Jeremy Halam. Um, and you, you're right into you know I I can remember seeing him kind of like meandering down the left wing um, in front of the north stand at, at Hillsborough a few times, um, but I can't remember all that many great games or even great moments from Jeremy Halan. All I can remember is him absolutely skying it in the last minute against Hull in the playoff final. That's it. That's the only memory I've got left of Jeremy Halan and the slightly odd circumstances around him leaving the club. Um, so I, uh, I'm i going to give the seal of approval to your selections. Marvellous. Love it. So we have goalkeepers, defence that's boxed off. And now we're moving into midfield. And I think this is, I seriously think this is the toughest area for us to pick from. So for a start, I selected nine in there. So we've got bags of options out wide, central midfield. The final nine, Mikel Antonio, Jermaine Johnson, Ross Wallace, Barry Bannon, Sam Hutchinson, Jose Semedo, 
Kieran Lee, Ross Barkley, Adam Reach, Kadeem Harris. So starting on the right-hand side, Antonio, for well, for a start, the one of the crucial goals in Wednesday's recent history, you would say, in that car in that victory over Carlisle, wasn't it? So the two-one, um, and everything he's gone on to achieve actually in his career. Yeah, he still gets injured way too much, and I think he would have gone on to play more for for his country had it not been for that. Um, it was a shame, really, that um, he didn't achieve more with Wednesday with what he's gone on to do for Forest and West Ham. Pity, but we did see more than enough glimpses of his quality and the attributes that he's got. And so it was no surprise that he's gone on to, be, you know, gone on to do so well in the Premier League. And then... JJ, I just, I think I just had to get him in for me, really, in this team. For also, you, you, you could have him go on the left, the right, an impact player off the bench. I'd probably have Antonio ahead of him in the starting eleven. I think that goes without saying. Most people would probably agree with that. Um, and actually, I would have Wallace ahead of JJ probably for starting place. Ross Wallace, you forget just what an underrated player he was. And for a free transfer, and I didn't mention this before, but again, when you think about on this list, free transfers that are in the final 25-man squad, Westwood, Leuvens, Tom Lees, Ross Wallace, inspired. Absolutely terrific. But of course, I'll let you come in in a second. You see, someone who missed out on my list was Ben Marshall. And he we missed out on my midfield. So I don't know what you think about that. That that was hard for me, leaving him out. But these decisions have to be made. I'll I'll hold this up. Obviously, um uh, listeners can't um see this, but I'll hold this up to the screen to see if you if you can see it. I've got in big letters with an arrow pointing either side to it. Ben Marshall written down on uh, on my list. Um, the I mean Hutchinson, Kieran Lee, Barry Bannon, Antonio, Jose Samida are not even up for discussion. That's fine. JJ, you're probably right. He he was flawed as a as a player without doubt, but he scored some really important goals. He did it at Championship level as well. So you know I think we've got to give him some credit for that. So all right, Wallace Ross Wallace for the goals. Yeah, okay. Um, Ross Barkley, I have question marks there just in terms of the actual impact that he had when he played for Wednesday. I didn't think was huge. Um, didn't play all that many games for Wednesday either. Um, and I look back and think I can probably think of a couple of games where I remember him being, you know, kind of good, but. I don't. I don't think he he had the same impact as some other lone players that we've had over the years. So I don't know about that. But I then know, can actually, I come up with a better player to play well, in that position? I'll give you the numbers, James. Let me try and change your mind on Ross Barkley. So Ross Barkley only played thirteen times for Wednesday. He scored four goals, and I remember him scoring and being there for um, when they beat Peterborough two one at home. And he he was terrific that day. Great finish. And the week before, uh, he put in probably one of the best individual performances of the season when Wednesday under Dave Jones won 3-0 uh, 
uh, at Ipswich and he scored twice that day um, and he tore them apart. was really just you know, quality in that sort of attacking midfield role. And, and I put him in there for the fact that it really was a big part of his development. That was his first loan spell coming to Wednesday. And so he benefited so much from that, um, even that short spell. And you could just tell there that this guy had something about him. And I don't think he's gone on to, again, he's another one that I feel he'd look back on his career and he'd be disappointed that he's not won more medals, he's not won, you know, not played more for England. But I, I, I thought for the short loan spell that he had, um, he, he was top draw. And, and to be fair, I've got him in there and I had to harshly leave out. You see, someone that you didn't mention before that I'm going to, I really wanted to put Alex Lopez in that. I really did. For a squad player, as a, a midfielder, you put Chris Lyons on your list, and I'm sorry, yeah. but Alex Lopez playing in the league above, and there's a guy who came in, did a dependable job. I, 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 as much as I liked Linesy, and again, his, his ability from set plays, good passer of the ball, I, I'm sorry, but for me, I'd have Lopez ahead of him. But... I hope I've won you over with, with, with Barclay. The reason I put down Chris Lines is just that, you know, he was, um, I, don't, I, th- I think he was probably overrated, to be honest, as a, as a player for Wednesday. I don't look back and have incredibly fond memories of him, but he was a bit of a Mr. Reliable in the, in the middle of the park. Um, so he, he was the only other player that kind of came to mind. Um, I am, I'm, I'm going to say that, Kadeem Harris, I don't think it's done enough. I think that Ben Marshall should get in there ahead of Kadeem Harris. Um, and I don't know if I can put up enough of an argument for Chris Lines to go above Ross Barkley. It's up to you as to whether or not you think Lopez had more impact over the course of a season. I don't know, because he was kind of overshadowed, wasn't he, by Sam Hutchinson, um, which was, was unfair, really, when we look back, that, that Lopez really deserved a better crack at the, the whip that season. I remember there was there was a rumour going round in kind of January that season. He was probably going to go back because he just wasn't playing that much. And it was like, yeah, well, we'll not miss him. Um, and then, you know, he had such an impact in that in that running, didn't he? When when Hutchinson was out of the team, so um, uh, definitely fond memories of Alex Lopez. Barclay, I just don't know if he had that much of an impact, mate. Um, so let's, let's take stock. We're agree- in agreement at the moment that we've got Hutchinson, Bannon, Antonio, Semedo, Reach. Those those five are, are in, and then Kieran Lee. Yeah, Kieran Lee's in, no doubt about that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. JJ and Wallace you could have, yeah. Yeah, JJ. So, at the moment, I've got Semedo, Hutch, Bannon, Wallace, Antonio, Reach, Lee, and JJ. So, that means there is one more place. Now, the counter-argument I was going to put to Ben Marshall is that, yeah, he did make a big impact in that first half of the season uh, when Wednesday were up there challenging, eventually going on to finishing the top two. Numbers, right? So he played 22 times for Wednesday that season. Yes, a lot more than Ross Barkley did. 
but he only actually scored five goals. Now, assists, I didn't double-check that, but I would imagine maybe, okay, three, four assists, who knows, possibly a few more. So, it's, it's good. It is good. Yeah, and he, on that right-hand side, him and Lewis Buxton, very efficient together. So, there is a case but, absolutely but, but, for Ben but, but, Marshall. I, I, but, sorry, but I've got to, I've, I've got, to, I've, I've got to jump in and say the thing with Ben Marshall. Yep, yeah, you, you can look at the stats and reflect on that. But there was something else there. There was something about Ben Marshall. There was, you know, his presence in that that first half of the season, and um, you know, it, it obviously the that that sort of Megson reign during that season. It did go a little bit wrong, um, but Ben Marshall was he was just class. You know, he was absolute class. And at, yeah, at the he, time, he we were like, this it. guy, this yeah. guy will go on to win the. Premier League he was he was that good for some of those games and he made such a good connection with the fans as well there was just there was just something there was a spark there was something special which kind of jumps off the page more than just the stats do you know someone who we've not mentioned who was also on my list when compiling this was actually Chris Maguire and again, not a lot of people would think about Chris Maguire, but you actually forget that Chris Maguire, who wasn't fancied by Dave Jones, despite him bringing him to the football club, and he then actually, under Stuart Gray, in Stuart Gray's full season in charge, from midfield, and he was really playing out position. If you ask Chris Maguire, he always wanted to play up front. He played on the right-hand side and on the left sometimes, he got eight goals in the championship, and actually, um, he he did. I I think pretty well. I I think he was quite effective for Chris Maguire. He wouldn't make my squad, but he was just someone else who I, I think was worth a shout out. That yeah, um, he was someone that we were looking at, and and actually another one that we forget, Lewis McGugan. Hang on, let Lewis. me show you. It's there. It's written on my oh, list. Lewis yes, McGugan. marvellous. Brilliant. I'm it glad. Was, it was there. He's another guy that was obviously flawed as a footballer for probably reasons that we might never really understand. And um, there's been a few other kind of ex-pros who've talked a little bit about him and maybe his approach to the game and approach to training that that let himself down a bit. But um, I, 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 I don't... I mean, on his day, Lewis McGugan was just fantastic. And he yeah, was... Well a level above anything else we had at, at a certain time. Um, is that enough for him to be in with a shout of this? I don't know. But I, I, I would probably say McGugan above Chris Maguire because I think Chris Maguire lacked a bit of football intelligence. Um, he'd, he'd got a bit of like brute force about him um, and there was certainly some skill there. Um, but I'd st- out of all those options, I've, I'd still, for me, I've got to say Ben Marshall. I'm standing firm. I want Barkley in there for the final spot. My wild card selection. I want. I, I, I'm gonna stand my ground. Well, you've appointed uh, yourself managers, so you're overruling me. So it's fine. Go with it. Yeah, it's true. You overruled me before, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna take that. So yes, we've got our fabulous nine together, and then that moves us swiftly on to the final area of the team. Now, I, I think this is pretty straightforward. Actually, up front, I don't think up front. Is is that challenging at all, really? When you look at it and uh, the players there, Fernando Forestieri, Stephen Fletcher, Gary Hooper. Now, this is the one that I think y- you may disagree with me on. 
I went with Ati Nuyu. The other contenders, Lucas Schwau. The other two, I think, that would probably more spring to mind more than Lucas Schwau, actually, would be Gary Medine and Neil Mower. What do you think? Uh, of of those names that you've mentioned, on my list, so we could agree on definitely, Stephen Fletcher, Gary Hooper, Fernando Forestieri. Um, I have got Gary Medine on my list with a massive question mark next to it. Uh, the, he, he tainted his Wednesday career with other stuff that happened. For me, he doesn't get near the the squad so actually the other he's actually at the top of my list and that's not that doesn't make any particular statement about it but i'll show you so that you can see it on the screen neil meller is uh is on my uh is on my list yeah and i think rightly so he's still the last wednesday player to score 20 goals in a season and he played in a struggling wednesday side under alan irvin and then latterly Gary Megson, and he actually talked this week about he, there were 10 games where Gary Megson wouldn't select him after he gave away a penalty at Rochdale. And so he could have scored more than 20 goals. Admittedly, two of them were hat-tricks. I actually remember being there for his second one at MK Dons when they won 4-1 um, when I was standing in at the time at the star for Paul Thompson. That was one of the great away days and, and probably results performances under um, Alan Irving at the time. So, yeah. Um, but that was in League One. And I just think over the course of the piece, when you look at it, Atty knew you has got nearly 50 goals for Wednesday. After Liam Palmer, he's the second longest serving player We've seen the impact he can have off the bench. How many teams have gone? He's so awkward and difficult to play against. I think that Atty Nuyu, as a fourth choice op option up front, I'd have him in there. There's a there's a problem with Atty Nuyu, um, and that problem is he's just not very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, some people would disagree. No, look. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to be really fair about this. Right, I, 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 like Neil Mellor, number of goals that he scored, impact that he had at the time in, in a team that wasn't very good. Um, no. was was real standout. If we're talking about a player that you could have on the bench. I I I kind of feel maybe you're right that someone like Atinuyu is the sort of player that you think well you know he he's proven he can come on and change a game sometimes. But the reality is that Neil Mellor and Atinuyu no, but they're not going to play. They're not going to start, are they? You would have it would be Forestieri, Hooper, or Fletcher. They'd all be ahead of Nuyu and Mellor. They would, wouldn't they? So who's yeah. gonna? So you're then asking yourself, who was, who would, in if they were selected in the match day squad, who would deliver more and produce more from off the bench? So that is my compelling argument for Atty Nuyu. There's also the fact that in terms of you know talent, Lucas Zhao is a better yes. player than Atty Nuyu. 
Um, and you know he can he can do things, Lucas Zhao. He's probably never going to realise his potential, and I don't know why that is. Um, you know he he's just too up and down. But again, if we're talking about someone to kind of complete a squad, is there an argument that Lucas mm-hmm. Zhao is you know he's he's more effective or more dangerous or you know more likely to come on and change a game and do something than either of Meller or Niu? It really pains me to say it, but I think I'm going to go along with you and say that for the change of pace and the balance that he would bring to the forward line. Although knew you made my cut this week, I'm going to go back on it because I'm allowed to. And I think <laughs> Joao, Joao is in there and is in the final four. <laughs> The fab four. I love that you've just appointed yourself like king of the world now. You could just change well, anything you want to at any point. It's, we like, it's literally it. I'm just going to change I it. think that's like, what needs to happen in this podcast. I think that's the direction that we need to go in now, doesn't it? I, I think that's what this lockdown is teaching us, James. With, with the king of the world? I'm yeah. not sure I'm going to subscribe to that one. <laughs> so we're there. We've picked the squad, James. I'm pretty happy with that. And we actually didn't fight and argue as much as I thought. But I, I tell you what, if you actually had that as a Wednesday squad now, for me, and if they were all fit and playing together, they'd walk the championship. <laughs> you could, if you could be right. There's one question that we've not answered here, which is um, who's going to be manager? Oh, well, <sighs> yeah, I suppose it's trickier than you think, isn't it, really? Dave, Dave I can tell Jones. you it's not. It's not Josla Hukai, right? And it's that not Alan Irving. I'll tell you that. Not well, Alan we can Irving. scratch them um, up, Ali. Um, so- to be honest, it's not It's not going to be Gary Megson. Um, no. I I think that there's um, a shortlist. I've got a shortlist of four. I'm surprised it's that many, but actually maybe when you, you go through it with me, okay, we'll, we'll discuss. Uh, all right, so... On, on the list, and I know that there'll be fans who'll throw things at whatever their listening device is for me saying this, but I've got Dave Jones on there because we got promoted under Dave Jones. We went on an amazing run, and we actually started playing some um, much nicer football than we had been doing under Gary Megson. Um, I don't think he'd make the cut. So um, let's look at the other three. So Stuart Gray, right? What Stuart Gray achieved with the resources that he had was quite phenomenal. And uh, I think there are fans that that forget too quickly. Yeah, the football wasn't amazing under Stuart Gray, but he he actually achieved something that was quite incredible with the players that he'd got. Carlos Cavalial obviously is going to be on that list, led us to two playoffs, ultimately didn't achieve what his objective was, which is promotion. Um, And the uh, fourth name on the list in current circumstances is Dom Housen because he's appointed himself (laughs) king of the world. So obviously he's going to appoint himself manager of this Wednesday team. Well, I think you pretty much answered this category, James. You know who should be the manager. The one who's not not done it uh, in his career, clearly. Yeah, it should be him. I, yeah, you're right. It boils down to two, doesn't it? It's Stuart Gray or Carlos Carvalho. Um, 
And that's real hard. And, and, and it's those it's two. really hard. It's it's hard because they are opposite ends of the spectrum. Stuart Gray Absolutely. worked on the modest budget budget that you talked about, whereas Carlos had the resources. But then you shouldn't forget that Carlos back to back years of playoffs in the championship. That is some achievement. And in the second year, they finished two places higher and seven points better off. So it's hard. And then you break it down further. Stuart Gray, he's the man responsible for bringing Kieran Westwood to the football club, Tom Lees to the football club, converting Kieran Lee into a midfielder who was then so good under Carlos Carvalho. And, and so actually the more I talk about it, and, and I always feel really that Stuart Gray deserved an opportunity to spend some of Dave Ponchance of his money. Uh, and he never really had that chance. Um, and, and a very creditable mid-table finish. And we should not forget that when he took over as caretaker initially, then permanent manager, how many matches had Wednesday won under Dave Jones? One win out of, I think, 17. And he kept them up. So... The more I am, the more I'm talking, the more I'm talking into. I think it's. I think it's Stuart Gray. I think well, it's Stuart Gray. Um, Stuart Gray was also responsible for that six nil win against Leeds. That obviously has to go down in in folklore. Um, I'm coming at this from a similar angle, but I'm going to slightly pivot. So I also hate the fact that we never saw what Stuart Gray could do with actually having some decent budget and some good attacking players because we remember Stuart Gray as being very defensive. Lots of nil-nils under Stuart Gray. Um, we never got the chance to see what he could do with attacking players. But, and and here's the, the, the killer thing for me, is that Stuart Gray has not gone on to do it anywhere else since, which makes me question whether or not that ability is actually there. So I'm going to just look back on the memories I've got of Stuart Gray, and I'm going to go with Carlos. I, I think that's slightly disrespectful in that Stuart Gray has proven to be a top-draw coach, but as a manager yeah. at Sheffield Wednesday for the 18 months that he was in charge... Uh, he did a very solid and good job, and so I, I, I was, you know, I thought when jobs came up actually at Barnsley, at Rotherham, when he would get linked with them, I'd have loved to have seen, and I think he'd have done really well at those sorts of clubs too. You, you'd have to say it's a step down from Wednesday, of course it is, but um, again, having proven that he could work under a shoestring, that. Yeah, I, I just think that Stuart Gray was brilliant. And he brought this calmness to the football club too. He was a steady Eddie and he just knew what he was doing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really... I, but I, if, it's, if it's, Stuart Gray was good to do memories, it, he'd have done it. Yeah, but for the memories, I think we've got to come to a decision and you, you can't forget the swashbuckling entertaining, attacking football Wednesday played, particularly in that first season under Carlos, and they came so close. They were beaten by, unfortunately, a better side 
on the day but they came within 90 minutes of promotion when they were huge underdogs and also let's not forget massive turnover in players he basically brought in a brand new squad and he managed to gel and knit that together to take them to the brink of promotion and then the following year yeah they spent way more money uh and they but they still were better off in the league table so i think the manager in charge of our 25-man squad is Carlos Carvalho. I love the fact at the beginning of that spiel that you said we've got to make a decision. Like, I have any say <laughs> at all in any of this. Um, yeah, ultimately, you know, Carlos had a dream. That defines an era for Wednesday. And at the moment, it's still a bit it's, it's still a bit raw. And I still, you know, I, I have doubts about some of the things that Carlos did and the way that he approached certain things. But in time, we will look back on him. And it's it's getting towards that stage already, I think, that Wednesday fans will look back on Carlos as, as just being, you know, he, he was a legend and he defined that um, era. So um, I think we've, I think, I think we have made the right decision there. <laughs> I think we have, mate. Well done. Good work, James. <laughs> I feel like I had a lot of influence in uh, in that. Um, right then, that is going to wrap us up for uh, for this week's um, edition of um, Singing the Blues. Not a lot of current football stuff to talk about, and you know we will continue to persevere in the coming weeks. Um, and anything that um, you know that we can do, we will do. If you've got any ideas, anything you'd like to throw our way, I know we did get some suggestions last week. Then please do uh, throw them at us. Um, I forgot to do my closing spiel last week, so I, I will do it this week. You can catch Dom on Twitter at Dom Houghton. I'm at James Marriott. Or you can contact the show at Dom and James. Big thank you to our gold sponsor, Title Law, who you can find at titlelaw.co.uk. Thank you for joining us. If you like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app. Up the owls, and I guess we'll see you when we next see you. (laughs) 